Hello everybody, welcome to the Press Box right here on 90.9 The Light. We're here for another episode this morning. It's episode number 15, Nate. Hard to believe that we've gotten this far. We've come this far, really, this whole semester. I know that you're still, you know, very new. But Nate, you've taken tremendous strides here. And we only have a couple left, Nate. Yep. It's kind of, kind of a little bittersweet for this semester. But, I mean, the bottom line is, you're only a freshman. I'm a sophomore. We'll be here for together at least for two more years, four more semesters. Do the quick math there. But folks, we're we're bringing on somebody today that's kind of a legend around here at 90.9 The Light. The man sitting right next to me on my right, sitting at Mike 5, which is normally where Isaac Dillard sits. But folks, I thought I would share with you this morning before we get deep into the analysis, into all the relevant things going on around the sports world. Isaac Dillard has texted me and he told me that he is more than likely no longer going to be doing the show with us. Um, so, but we might bring him back on next semester. He was a great Caesar, great guy. Um, he had a lot of great takes. Big Tennessee fan. Um, we all know that Tennessee wasn't able to really do much in March Madness, so I kind of gave him a little bit of a you know, hard time with that. But uh, as we know, everything's fine. But we're going to try and bring Isaac back on next semester, bring him back onto the show, and we're going to talk to him about that. But Nate... TJ, before we get into everything, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's a beautiful morning out. Another great day in Lynchburg, Virginia. Finals are coming up pretty soon. Getting ready for that. I mean, we're in the press box, so what can be better than that? Yeah, definitely. And TJ, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of gave you a little bit of an introduction. Legend here at 90.9 The Light. You're, you're, you're now in Richmond. Yes. Uh, working at another radio station, running the board for a right. bunch of different types of stations. News. Right. They do news, sports. I, I also hear you've been running the board for the Pittsburgh Steelers and mm -hmm. believe the 76ers and a couple other No, not the, colleges, Sixers. not the Sixers. It's the Wizards, the Wizards. Okay. and the Yankees. Yeah, but TJ, first, how's that been going and you how know, are you doing? It's been a great experience. You know, It's not being on the mic or anything, but just being a part of that is so enthralling. And you listen to all these legendary broadcasters that you get to work with. And I honestly have had one heck of a time in my job. And... Richmond, it's kind of an interesting place to live. It takes a while to get used to because it's big, but at the same time, it isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting city itself. But, yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun, and I personally have enjoyed it. And I'm happy to be back in Lynchburg for a couple of days working with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. And, and – Folks, the big reason why TJ's been here the past couple of days is because, folks, the NFL draft show is right around the corner. Quite literally, TJ, it's two weeks away from today on the dot. Pre-game coverage at 7 o'clock. Draft time at 8 o'clock. Joey Palermo is going to be the host. TJ going to help produce it. This is his second show he's helping produce. Mm -hmm. We're very excited. I mean, honestly, it's it, it has been a, a, whir a whirlwind, I think, is the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it has. A lot of notes going on, a lot of things going on, but... I mean, at the end of the day, it's just awesome to see all of that work, you know, become fruitful with yeah. how the NFL draft is coming together really well. Out. Nate, before we get into some breaking news this morning, will you plug our socials for everybody here on this great Thursday morning? So looking at our Twitter, you can give us a follow over on that. That's the Press Box SP. Again, that is the Press Box SP. And then we have an Instagram. Give that one a follow as well. That's the Press Box Pod. Again, that's the Press Box Pod. And if you, if you have any questions and you want to reach out to us, email us at the Press Box Podcast at yahoo.com. Thanks so much, Nate. 
And folks, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get straight into order of business here, starting with breaking news this morning. Chicago Cubs have signed outfielder Ian Happ to a three-year extension worth $61 million. And he, he has been a big-time outfielder for the Cubs, started out as a prospect in their organization. He's really found his footing there at Wrigley Field and mm -hmm. there in Chicago. Even though Wrigley Field, if I was a ball player, I wouldn't want to hit there. Right. I just don't think it's a very good place to hit <laughs> um, because the wind is so bad almost the entire year up until the summer. Well, Chicago is the windy city. Oh, yeah. Legitimately. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and, and in 2023, he's posting a .981 OPS, and that includes a home run, 10 walks, and 11 strikeouts, which is a nice small sample size. And, folks, for, for, for you that don't know OPS, the OPS league average is around 900. So for him to be hitting 981, I mean, yes, folks, it's only 11, 12 games in, depending on if you've played a four-game series or not. And I believe the Cubs have only played 11 games. But 981 through 11 games is pretty darn good. And Ian Happ is going to join guys like Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, and a couple other guys to sign these multi-year deals. And so right now, Nate and TJ, the Cubs are looking really good from the infielder-outfielder perspective because they've signed guys to long-term deals. And I think that that's been yeah. the big thing for them. And the Cubs have a wazoo of prospects, specifically pitching mm -hmm. prospects, in their starting rotation that have found success. Mm -hmm. Marcus Stroman looks really good to right. start out this season. He looks almost as good as he used to look when he was with the Blue Jays and even when he when he was with his first tenure with the Cubs. Right. So I think this Cubs team is doing all the right things, even though they, they're not necessarily getting in the money that they used to. Mm -hmm. I think this Cubs team still looks really, really good. Yeah, real quickly, I mean, you talk about the rebuild they had since their 108-year drought winning the World <laughs> Series. I mean, they lost a lot of guys they had to get rid of, and – they're slowly rebuilding. And think about Hap is he was a trade option at one point. They yeah. thought about trading the kid. This was last season, yeah. too. Yep. And, I mean, ever since that 2016 World Series the Cubs won, it was kind of like you never thought that they were going to get there again. But no. now, I mean, the Cubs have lost Rizzo. They've lost Bryant. Like, they've they've lost a lot of guys that were part of that 2016 team. Yeah. And they're – they're getting a lot of high-quality guys, but not guys like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton no. and all these big-time players. But, you know, the Cubs have shown people that they don't need big-time players no. to compete at the level in MLB. Now, speaking of a high-level player, Miguel Cabrera hit his 610th double last night against the Blue Jays Jeez. In, in their 4-3 to loss in extra innings. And he ties Tris Speaker at 60th all-time for extra base hits. And guys, Miguel Cabrera only has 1,134 extra base hits in his career with this double. You know, I say only because most guys would, you know, love to have 1,134 hits. Yeah. Right. But Miguel Cabrera's been doing it for so long, and he's been such a great hitter. Little side note, guys. On April 22nd, I'm going to go to Camden Yards with a couple buddies. Heard. And we're going to go watch the Detroit Tigers play the Baltimore Orioles. So I can say to everybody now that I got to watch Miguel Cabrera play a game mm -hmm. in his final, I will call it an inaugural season because every ballpark he visits, everybody has said that they're going to give him some sort of right. token of respect type of thing. Definitely. And I, I, I thought it was really cool. I watched opening day, and Miguel Cabrera got to throw out the first pitch with, with three legends from the NBA, right. the NFL, and the NHL. Yeah. And that was super cool to see. I don't remember the names. Right off the top of my head. But it was just cool to see like four legends of Detroit 
throwing out the first pitch. Calvin altogether. Johnson was one of them. Yes, he was. And I can't remember the the hockey player. He was a very known hockey player. A weird name. Hockey players have weird right. names, so I don't really remember. But folks, let's throw it over to football really, really quick. Saquon Barkley is not going to sign his franchise tag. TJ and Nate, I'm going to go to you first, TJ. I want you to explain to everybody why this is such a big deal for the New York Giants. And then, Nate, I kind of want you to piggyback mm-hmm. off of what TJ says. What does this mean for the Giants? Mm-hmm. Because they necessarily don't really have right. a solidified running back at the no. moment. No. TJ? Well, real quickly, I mean, franchise tag, he, by not signing the franchise tag, it means technically he's not on contract. So he's not going to report to training camp or any of that stuff. And I want to keep let people know they just gave Daniel Jones their, his fifth-year extension at 43 mil. And Saquon Barkley, he's been a staple for that Giants. With the, Even with the injuries, he's been huge. This past year, finally picked it back up. So he's been a staple for that team. And this is a big breaking news because now if Saquon doesn't stay with them, you're talking about a great running back still in his prime that could be in the open, and the Giants might have to look to running back in this draft. Yeah, and I mean, Saquon has, has always had the injury bug written over his name ever since he started as a rookie because it always seemed like every single year right. he had some sort of leg or ankle injury. But last year, he was healthy the entire year. Yeah. I think yeah. that makes him more marketable now. Yeah. But Nate, you know, I don't really want to ask you to predict where you think he goes, but I'm going to. Um, you know, earlier this season before the Dolphins like made, made the moves they did, I would have said Saquon to the Dolphins 110%. But now that they brought back Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, I just don't see that now. But, Nate, what is a team that's in dire need of a running back that you see Saquon Barkley possibly meeting up with? Because at the end of the day, just like TJ said, he can't even report to Giants training camp. But, I mean, that that doesn't rule the Giants out. I mean, obviously, the Giants could give him a deal. But I think that if Saquon wanted to look somewhere else, Nate, where should he look? So for Saquon to be able to leave New York, I think that would be a big mistake for New York to let him leave like that. Because, yeah. I mean, looking at how he's performed in the last season, despite being injured, he has played huge roles. And for him to go to a new team, looking at who would need him, I'd probably – Dolphins. Yeah. Like you said, Dolphins, they'd have a good fit. I feel like my Cowboys couldn't use him. Yeah. I yeah, think so. But the thing I is, I think he'd be a really good backup for Tony Pollard. Yes, and that's so. – and the thing with that, getting rid of Ezekiel over in Dallas, there's that spot to fill, another yeah. dominant running back. But as far as the Giants not not um, not giving what he wants, it's kind of disappointing because, I mean, yeah. they gave the bread to Daniel Jones, yeah. which, I mean, I don't know if that was the right move for the Giants, but I think Saquon Barkley should definitely be a priority for the Giants. I also think something that the Giants aren't doing and they need to is they're trying to build the team around Daniel Jones it's instead of building the team around Saquon Barkley. Right. Because at the end of the day, TJ, I don't think that Daniel Jones is going to be able to get it done at the highest level. I mean, a guy that came out of Duke, you know, no offense to your Duke Blue Devils, but yeah. Duke in the past years has just not been a big time team for to get football, really good yeah. quarterbacks out of there yeah but tj do you agree with nate on the dolphins and cowboys or do you have another team to throw in the bit to throw in the mix for where saquon barkley will I end up maybe dolphins maybe call maybe cowboys i don't know with the cowboys they could pick him up at just the price would have to be right and we yeah. got to get tony pollard to stay yeah if, if there's any team i can think of i think of the panthers that could probably yeah. use a running back they got a young running back core and remember they lost deontay foreman and christian mccaffrey yeah so that's definitely a team to look out for maybe and they also want to solidify miles sanders too right because only having that one 
top and, running back in yeah. there. You don't want to get him injured. No, you don't and get Miles Sanders is also not the guy to get 20 carries a game. He's not that type of running back. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, I mean, let's just go back to the Cowboys' point really, really quick. Right. I mean, th- that's what the Cowboys want to do. They right. want to run the football. Yeah, That's they what do. they want to do. That's their bread and butter. So having Tony Pollard in a – I don't really want to call Saquon a better version of Ezekiel Elliott, but I, I, I just think Saquon brings different traits Saquon, to the backfield. Yeah. Than yeah. Ezekiel Elliott ever did. Zeke just lost so. his speed over time. Saquon is a lot faster. The problem is, like Zeke, Saquon is injury prone. Yeah, that's the only worry right now. Yeah, and folks, last bit of breaking news here: NBA playing tournament yesterday. The Thunder upset the Pelicans, and they're going to yep. play the Timberwolves. And the Bulls upset the Raptors, and they're going to play the Miami Heat. These games will happen this evening, and the winner of those games will make it into the NBA tournament. Yeah. Um. I mean, to be Playoffs. quite honest with you, I, I, yeah. I mean, I want to see the Heat make it in, yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I didn't have to watch them, I mean, I, I wouldn't be complaining either. But Nate, I mean, not Nate, sorry, excuse me, TJ. What makes these playing games so big? Is, is is it the fact that you win and you're in? You win and you're in, or the- is it the fact that you know? It's anybody's game type of thing. Like, it's anybody's game, but also you win, you're in. I mean, that's just the basis of it. The Heat, yeah. remember, this team was in the championship in 2020. And yeah. now they might not – if they lose tonight, they're out. They're yeah. not even in the NBA playoffs. Also, look out for the Timberwolves. They get Gobert back. And the Thunder shocking a lot of people. I mean, they have a great young team with many first-round picks in the future. That's definitely something to look forward to. And then with the Heat, and you talk about real quickly – I'm going to point this out real quickly – um, the Bulls, they've been entry-prone all year, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs. I do think whoever wins the game between the Bulls and the Heat will probably will more than likely lose to the Bucks. probably either get swept or win only one game. But still, this game will be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And, folks, last, I, I know I said last bit of news earlier on, but, Nate, I told TJ about this while you were gone um, right before the show. I just want to get your reaction to this. The Marlins have celebrated Sandy's Beach for a while now. If you, and if you don't know what that is, every single start, that Sandy Alcantara had for the majority of last season had a section dedicated for Sandy. Like they would get T-shirts, they would bring sunglasses, beach hats, all that stuff. It was like his own little cheering section. Okay, it was a really good thing for not only Sandy Alcantara because he won the Cy Young. Yeah. It was really good for the team. Now Jazz Chisholm Jr. is going to get his very own jazz band section jazz band. in center field, and you can sit in the jazz band section on Tuesday home games and you get a T-shirt too. Do you like this idea? Do, do, do you think it's good that they're giving these, you know, displaying these ideas out there to get butts in the seats? Or do you think it's kind of kiddish for the Marlins to do something like this? Well, from the Marlins aspect of it, that's an excellent marketing idea. That's one way to get people out there. And looking at it from a, a financial outlook, that's more people there. Like, I want to go sit in the yeah. jazz band section. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit. Like, I mean, I have a Jazz Chisholm Junior jersey too, so I would fit right in. You know, you know, so, you you bring a uh, saxophone, start playing a little jazz. Maybe I don't know. Hardcore well, fans will go hardcore every single Saturday. The the Marlins have a little band that plays, so maybe they'll show up for Tuesday games too. They might just know. be out there. So yeah, I think it's a good idea though for the Marlins. Yeah, for sure, folks. We're just getting started right here on the press box here on ninety point nine The Light. Thanks so much for taking a seat with us this morning. When we come back, we're going to talk about are the Tampa Bay Rays still undefeated? What was Luis Arias able to do for not only himself but for Marlins in terms of the history books? Folks, you're not going to want to miss it. You're listening to the press box right here on ninety point nine The Light. 
Well, folks, it's just about that time. It really is that time. We're two weeks into the MLB season. Very, very corny little punchline there at the beginning. But, Nate, we still have an undefeated team. I guess maybe. I mean, it's kind of crazy the fact that this team is still undefeated at this point in the season. 12-0 are the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, at the end of the day, they're coming off a 9-7 win against the Boston Red Sox last night. I, 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 the Boston Red Sox made it closer with the Rafael Devers home run. Yep. They were only down 8-7 to seven then, but the Rays were able to put one, another run on the board late in the game, and I thought that maybe the Red Sox were going to have a chance to come back and win and get a loss um, against the Tampa Bay Rays, but the Rays were able to stick strong. Their bullpen did pretty well other than, the, other than that Rafael Devers home run there, but Nate... I have a little argument for why the Tampa Bay Rays are 12-0. I mean, at the end of the day, if we go back to the Tampa Bay Rays schedule and kind of just look and see who these guys have played, I mean, these guys have not really played anybody fantastic at all. I mean, they opened up playing the Tigers, okay, at home, then the Nationals, then they played the Athletics, and now they've played the Red Sox. So I'm looking at all these different teams right now, and I'm saying, who have they played? They've played nobody. Exactly. Yeah, but it's still hard to be undefeated in baseball, guys. No, and I'm, I'm not saying it's not, but when the Rays have played some of the bottom four teams in, in their respective leagues, it's kind of just... You're right. You know, No, you've got a point. I'm just saying the fact that they've been able to maintain undefeated status. I mean, I thought they would have lost to the Red Sox, in honesty. Yeah. I know the Red Sox are at the bottom, but at least one game... But look at their schedule upcoming. Well, hey, th- there is still one more game against the Red Sox, so right. hold that, that thought. Today at 110, I will be watching that game. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I want to see the Rays fall, right? but I just think it's been really cool to watch them become and stay undefeated this entire time. And, I mean, they've had some really close calls, too. I mean, I mean, a one to nothing win against the Red Sox in the very first game of this series. I I, I know all Rays fans were on the edge of their seats oh, yeah. for that one. Yeah. Because I mean, they they, they yeah. pulled that out by a whisker. Yeah. So by the hair <laughs> by the hair of their yeah. chinny chin chin, if you want to say. So but, so the question is though, a twelve and zero start is great and all. It is impressive, but like Riley said, who have they played? But is this gonna is this gonna is this going to become something? Middle of the season, are they still going to be top of the pack ahead of the Yankees? Are right. they still going to – especially once it comes fall? Yeah, that's exactly. What you, have to, you have to remember, though, the Tampa Bay Rays the past couple seasons have put together 90-win seasons every year. Yep. I don't know how they are able to do it. They have one of the lowest payrolls. Yeah. They don't get any fans, but yet their athletes just grind through at bats. Their starting staff and bullpen have always been great. Just ask JT Chargois yeah. the Miami Marlins because he was pitching phenomenal. He just got injured against the Phillies a couple days ago. He's been a phenomenal pitcher that came over from the Rays. And, so these yeah. guys always get bullpen pieces. Their prospects are always top tier. And this team is just going to yeah. gonna get 90 wins. They're going to scratch 90 wins every single season. You no have matter to. matter if you like yeah. it or not. You have to. If you start somewhere – if you start 12-0, and 0, man – you have to at least get 90 wins. Just exactly. ain't no way. Yeah. Unless you're the New York Mets. Yeah, especially playing in a really good AL East with only the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And Who the they Rays play next, and the actually. Red Sox and yeah. the Mariners. Yes, and you know, I think with the Rays playing the Blue Jays next, 
I'm going to go and predict. I think they're going to drop at least one of those games. Exactly. The Blue Jays are just a really good team, have really good hitters. Yeah. Just the pitching staff and bullpen is a little questionable. So, now, Nate, we saw a – sorry, TJ. No, you're fine. We saw a Mad Dog Russo clip. We weren't able to put it in the system, but we found it on YouTube. You want to reiterate and kind of describe what Mad Dog Russo said about these Tampa Bay Rays, and then we'll move on to another thing. Um, well, we'll actually move on to – MLB wants to try to start a team elsewhere, and we'll kind of dive into all that. But, Nate, what did Mad Dog Russo say about these Tampa Bay Rays? So to basically wrap up and summarize it real quick, he kind of built off what you were saying, who have they played, and then he also brought back some few teams from the past that have also started 12-0, and and then he ended up ending up in fourth place. And one thing that Mad Dog Russo really believes is that the Tampa Bay Rays are a fourth-place team. They're not a first-place team. He honestly thinks that. Yeah. And, yes, he does take some hot takes, and he's – there for entertainment, but sometimes he does make some good points. Yeah. And for me to believe that, I could see that. I could see the Tampa Bay Rays even easily falling off. Right. I I would have to disagree because the Baltimore Orioles and uh, Boston Red Sox are exactly where I predicted them to be at the end of the season right now. Yep. And earlier I said the Mariners were in the AL East. That is just not right at all. So I'm sorry. Um, I meant to say the Orioles, but I said the Mariners. So uh, that shows you how much I Okay. Anyway, I, I'm a big MLB fan, just a little goof. But right now the Rays sitting in first place at 11-0. Mm-hmm. And the next team that's nearest to them is four games back. Right. And that's the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays yep. at 7-4. and four. Then the Orioles at 6-5. and five. Then the Red Sox at 5-6. and six. Sorry, Nate. That's just how it is. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Rays have just hit – a crazy amount of homers yeah. to start this season, like twenty plus, and we're only twelve games in. So that's impressive. It's yeah. very impressive, and their starting staff is impressive as well. Shane McClanahan with a one fifty nine ERA through three games, he's three and zero. Jeffrey Springs with a zero ERA through two games. Drew Rasmussen, who used to be on the Milwaukee Brewers, in their bullpen, mind you, made a starting pitcher. He's two and zero with a zero ERA, and then Zach Eflin two and zero with a three twenty seven ERA. So. I mean, their pitching staff is doing phenomenal, doing a great job. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Tampa Bay Rays staff will do at the end of the day. Now, Nate, me and you found this pretty much at the exact same time yesterday. MLB possibly wants to move their franchise to Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. Yes. Now, TJ, I don't know if this is the first you've heard of this. No, Joey told thing. me yesterday. Awesome. But they want to have a possible franchise moving of either the Oakland Athletics and Tampa Bay Rays. Now, Nate, when I saw this at first – I didn't know that that they had already had teams involved. Yeah. Now, it makes sense for the Oakland Athletics. Their field is kind of getting older. It's not getting any newer. They don't have a whole lot of fans show up to the ball club. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, the same reason. Arguably, you could throw the Miami Marlins in there if you want to. But I think that the MLB kind of wants to see what the Miami Marlins are going to be able to do because the Marlins are kind of on the up and up. Um, they have a new, man- a new manager in town. Kim Ang is doing pretty good things. The owner's doing all right, Bruce Sherman. So I think they're, they're going to want to give the Marlins a little bit more opportunity to try and get more fans at the ballpark. And, But there's there, there there are other possible opportunities. Las Vegas is another big spot. Las Vegas, That's Nevada. Huge. That's also, really folks, one. I'm heading to Las Vegas, Nevada tomorrow, Woo! going on a little conference for sports journalism and digital media. Nate, we will have a show next week. Don't worry. Um, even though I get back Wednesday afternoon pretty much. 
we, we will still have a show next week, so that's going to happen. Another place they want to move is Nashville. And another place I heard also is Charlotte, North Carolina is another place that they might want to move to as well. Those are also going to be prime considerations for relocation or expansion, which I don't really like the Nashville and Charlotte idea because there are a lot of Atlanta Braves fans that live there. And I think that, <laughs> yeah. that, that those fans are still going to go to the Atlanta Braves games because, you know, the Atlanta Braves are a, you know, not necessarily like a stepping stone, but they're kind of a cornerstone in the MLB. They've been yes. around for a long time. Very long time. They have a very good way about them, very good stadium. Yeah. Every single time I go to their games as a Marlins fan or just a run-of-the-mill fan just going to a game, like it's always a great atmosphere. It's oh, just yeah. a great overall time at Truist Park. Plus, the Braves, Braves fans are less toxic, one of the least toxic fan bases in the MLB. Yeah. Yeah. Now, folks, to get to the, to get to the topic you're all here for, Luis Arise. Yeah. Did this certain thing Uh-oh. on Tuesday night. He oh, hit yeah. for his not only his first ever cycle, but the first cycle in Miami Marlins history. It's only been 30 years since anybody's done it for the Marlins. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's been the entire time they've existed since 1993. 1992, I'm sorry. Um, but Luis Arise was able to hit for the first ever cycle. His batting gloves, as we speak, are going over to do the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. That's pretty cool. Nice accolade for him. And I can I can confirm that the Miami Marlins are the last team that needed to hit for the cycle. So all the teams in, ma- in the major leagues have hit for the cycle that are in there currently unless, you know, they end up expanding and getting another team or what have you. But before I play the video of all the different things he was able to do with his uh, cycle, I just wanted to point out his stats kind of thus far without yesterday's game being taken into account 41 at bats a 537 average one home run five rbis and a 1.328 ops which is absolutely phenomenal um, not kidding so so Luis rise is doing very very good things but folks we have a little video that we want you guys to tune into of all of the hits that Luis rise was able to get so why don't you guys take a listen real quick saw a rise on that batting average leaderboard because he's been putting the ball in play and getting himself some hits as he does right here a one hop off the wall in right center that'll be a two out double for a rise one yeah what do you have what do you have over at the varsity a rise will have himself extra bases into the corner now this will be uh, maybe even three got to that perfect spot in the third base with a triple on occasion in the air deep left field going way back and that's gone a home run of the opposite field for Luis Arise long look Hitchcock down to one and that is gonna get down a base hit the first cycle in Marlins franchise history Luis Arise and folks that was a very 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 big moment there for not only Luis Arise but the Miami Marlins organization. What a great and cool experience for all of the fans that were in attendance at Philly Stadium. No matter if you're a fan of the Miami Marlins or not, I mean, to witness a cycle has to be pretty incredible. But, yeah. folks, you heard it from the announcers. It went double in the first. Then it went triple in the sixth. No. I have to look this up now, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for it, man. But, TJ, I just want you to kind of just talk about, like, why is this such a big deal? Why is not only hitting your first ever cycle as a player, 
but as a organization and as a program, such a big deal. Well, a cycle is really hard to do in a game, guys. I mean, what? It's a single, a double, and a triple, right? And a home run. And a home run. You know how hard that is to do in just one game alone? And think about it this way. The Marlins haven't had this in over a 1,000 games. That's why this is so important for their organization. It was actually 4,699. 4,000. I am terribly so, sorry. No, well, I mean, you didn't know. But this was their 4,700th game played, and that's when they got it. So basically when the Marlins started back in 1992, right. because the 2023 season isn't over yet. Right. They, they, they haven't done it in 30 years. Right. So just go back 30 years when they started, and they haven't done it since they've started. Basically. Right. So. And that's history right there in the making. It's never been – no one on the Marlins has ever done it. And so that's why I think it's such a big deal. And you have to understand, Marlins – and Riley, you're a Marlins fan. You understand this. The Marlins have had so much – so many frustrating seasons. Whenever you feel like they're on the rise, it seems like they fall off the cliff. So just to have that little spark – is nice to see from an organization like the Marlins as well. They're always at the bottom of the barrel. They get made fun of a lot. But in all honesty, with the direction they're going, I think they'll be good in the next couple of years. If they're not in the playoffs this year, expect to see them in 2024, 2025, wild card at least. Definitely. And, you know, to, to go back to, you know, when Luis Arias got all of his hits, Miami would end up winning this game 8-4. to four. Right. But Luis Arias doubled a right in the first Tripled to right in the sixth, homered to left in the seventh, and singled to left in the eighth. And so what an opportunity there for Luis Arise and this Miami Marlins team. Just great, great find and pickup by Kim Ang. I mean, I, I, I really tip my cap for that trade done by the Twins and Luis Arise. If you didn't know, TJ Pablo Lopez went seven innings with 10 Ks that night, yep. allowing two runs. There was a point where he retired 23 straight White Sox hitters in that game. Yeah. So on on this night, Tuesday, it felt like the Twins and Marlins were just winning in their trade. Yeah. And I'm going to say this right now, 12 games in, this is the best trade done by two teams this offseason thus far. Oh, I agree. Big All right, time. folks, we have a couple more videos here to play for you. There's also another really, really cool catch made by a Blue Jays center fielder against the Detroit Tigers to keep the Blue Jays on top. And it was by a former Rays player, Kevin Kiermaier. So why don't you guys take a listen here. Pretty rich tradition with some of the names that were on that list. Carpenter sends a blast to center. Deep, Kiermaier measuring it. Still going back, it's gone! No, he caught it! Are you kidding me? He robbed him of a homer. That's why he's one of the game's best. He knows exactly, he knows exactly where he's at when he gets back to the wall. And then it's just your athleticism. Go up and make us outstanding. What an incredible play of being able to go up and rob that home run from Kerry Carpenter. Wow. Just an impressive. So Kevin Kiermeyer making an absolutely incredible catch. He not only robbed a homer, Nate, but he also hit one, too. So that's a very hard thing to do in it's the phenomenal. same game, to hit a home run and also rob one as well. Nate. One more order of business here. The Marlins won another one-run game yesterday at Philadelphia. Their first extra innings win for not only Skip Schumacher, but for the Marlins this season. They won 3-2, to two, and they are 3-0 and oh thus far in one-run games this season. The Marlins had 40, 40 one-run losses last season, which was honestly frustrating to watch, but also encouraging because that just means we were in every game. 
Nate, do you think the Marlins going 3-0 and this season in, in one-run games is kind of a testament to not only the managing change but kind of a different mindset at not only the plate but on the mound? You know, with one-run games, it's kind of hard to to blame that on a management change. It easily, it easily could be, but with the thing with a one-run game, it's anybody's. It, it's just yeah. a flip of a coin. But for the Marlins to be able to improve on that and go 3-0 and in one-run game so far this season, that's a step up from last year. I mean, and, and especially if they can keep on doing that and be very uh, accurate with that, it's improvement. That's good yeah. for the Marlins. That's what they needed. Yeah. That was one thing that they struggled with last season. And they changed it. Yeah, for sure. And, folks, we have one more video for you. Uh, Jorge Soler hit a home run yesterday to tie the game in the top of the eighth off of Jose Alvarado, a 99-mile-an-hour fastball on the bottom inside corner of the strike zone. Folks, all of these videos are brought to you by Bally Sports. Paul Severino announcing both of these calls, the Luis Arias call and the Jorge Soler call. So, folks, one more time, why don't you guys tune in to this video? I am looking forward to the alternate broadcast. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. We're having fun right now as Jorge Soler has tied the game on a home run to left center field. And it is 2-2. Soler taking Alvarado for a ride. The Marlins were able to tie the game there, and then, as we all know, Brian De La Cruz would come up in the top of the 10th inning. He would, he would hit a home run to win that game. And so the Marlins have improved to 6-7 and seven heading into their series three-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks starting on Friday. Folks, that's all the time we have here for the MLB segment here on 90.9 The Light. That was a lot to digest, a lot to go over, but folks, when we come back, the NHL playoffs are set. Myself, Nathan McKinney, and TJ Wilkerson are going to break down the playoffs and the standings and all that sort of thing. The wild card has finally been set in the Eastern Conference. Let me just say, Nate, it's about time. But, folks, we're going to talk about all that and a lot more when we come back right here on the Press Box here on 90.9 The Light. Well, let me tell you, folks, this NFL, not NFL, NHL playoff standings and NHL end of the season has been a crazy train. I mean, right down to the wire, Nate. The Panthers played their second to last game and then found out that they're in. They're in the wild card spot. The Islanders are in. The Penguins are out. It's really looking like the Panthers weren't going to do much of anything New Year's Eve because they were nine points out of the wild card. And Nate, they, they went on a six-game winning streak to get to this point. So shout-out to Paul Maurice and to the Panthers team. Nate, I don't really want to allude to who they're playing in the playoffs quite yet. Playoffs. Talking about playoffs. Playoffs. But, but, but I just think that the Panthers are going to have a really tough team to play first in the playoffs because we've already found out who they're playing. But we'll probably get to that schedule here in a in little minute. bit later. But Nate... Why is this such a big deal for the Panthers and the Islanders to get in? I mean, both these teams work to get here. So you have to think that these are two kind of underrated teams heading into the playoffs because they really scratch their way into the playoff standings, per se, in the Eastern Conference. This Eastern Conference, this these last few seats that were open, it was just crazy. It was right down to the last minute. Everybody, all the points were within, like, two. And I tell you what, your Panthers— 
I want to talk about your Panthers for a second, though, Riley. Your Panthers are a threat, and that's one of the things I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see them make the playoffs, which they did. And they, they're they a threat. They've been playing very good hockey. They've turned around since New Year's. And one thing that I really Matthew like— Matthew Kachuk is him. He is him. And, I mean, I mean, he's, dude, for—sorry for, to steal Thunder, but for the Panthers to have two guys on their team that have 40-plus goals, I mean, that's pretty rare in a season. Yeah. So, I mean, Carter Verhage, Matthew Kachuk, Alexander Barkov— I mean, Alex Lyon, a goalie stepping in from the minor leagues in terms of NHL, he's done phenomenal. I mean, yeah. that guy was a one of the sole reasons why we're even here. Yeah. And I think having Sergei Bobrovsky come back and having them be the one-two, I think that that's going to be really good for this Panthers team. But, Nate? Yeah, definitely. And for, you, for your Florida Panthers, they clinched playoffs for the third consecutive year in a row, setting franchise record, and now kind of turning it over to what happened to the Penguins. For, for the Islanders to win last night, and your Panthers to have what happened to them, they shut them out. The Panther, the Penguins have made playoffs 16 years consecutively, and this is the first year that they broke that. And looking at the Islanders game last night, that was the best game in my opinion. It was a good game. I watched the last period because it was it was close. It was 3-2 going into the third, come close, and then the Islanders grabbed the last wild spot, wild spot card in the Eastern Conference with a 4-2 win against the Canadians. And watching that last night, there was – there was only like 358 left in the third, and none better of a person to score is Captain Anders Lee to score on the power play. I mean, the Canadians, they made a sloppy play. Almost could have been a major, five-minute major. It was for boarding, and I can't remember who got hit, but he went head first into the boards, which it could have been easily, it could have been easily a five-minute major, which would have been even huger. But one of the keys to last night that I liked Brock Nelson, a forward, he had two goals last night, and they they brought him on the ice when it was empty net for the Canadians, tried to get in the hat trick. But kind of kind of looking at the standings as it is right now, it's all wrapped up here. Like we have what is today the thirteenth. It ends the regular season ends the seventeenth, and everything's set now as it is now. Yeah. And kind of looking into the standings right now, we have the Bruins at one, Maples at two, Lightning. At three, Panthers at four, and this is the Atlantic Eastern. And then kind of going into, we have Hurricanes at one, Devils at two, Rangers at three, and Islanders clinching in the Pacific Eastern. And then in the Central Division, you have Avalanche at one, Dallas at two, Wild at three, Jets at four, and the Predators missed that wild card game. Not the wild, yeah, the wild card. I was like, I was, I was like questioning it at first. I don't know why, but looking at the Pacific Division, I think this one's going to be a pretty tough one. Honestly, the Pacific Div- Division. You have the Golden Knights at one, the Oilers at two, the LA Kings at three, and the Seattle Kraken at four. And with that said, though, with every being set, we have our game set now. Yeah. And kind of looking at the Eastern Conference right now, the playoff bracket. This is going to be an interesting series, not just for me because I'm a Bruins fan, just because of the dynamic teams and their playoff history, the New, <laughs> the New York Islanders. I said this a few weeks back, Riley. The New York Islanders are threatening in playoffs. I truly think oh, that they're they, a, they're a really good team. They're phenomenal, I mean, especially come playoff time. I think I that's going to be a very underrated matchup between the Boston Bruins and the, and the New York Islanders. Same thing with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. I mean, yes. at the end of the day, the Panthers have beaten the Hurricanes, I believe, twice this season. Yep. And one of them was in blowout fashion. And then you move down more. 
It's going to be a battle of New Jersey and New York over here. All right? <laughs> it's going to be the New Jersey Devils over here facing off against the New York Rangers. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to win the battle of the Northeast, per se. Yeah. And then after that, oh, I don't <laughs> like saying this team's name because they really hurt the Panthers late. Late, late, late into this season, Toronto Maple Leafs against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's going to be a that's going to be a really that's good series, series in the playoffs. Too. This is going to so. be the question for the Toronto Maple Leafs: Do they blow another first round exit? Yeah, they're like I said earlier, they're a lot like the Yankees. Toronto had a very, yeah. very, they very good regular season. Crazy. They look really good on paper. They mm-hmm. have a really good defense that really mm-hmm. helps their goalie out. But so does the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's going to be a very defensive-minded series. And then moving over to the Western Conference, Nate. We have the Vegas Golden Knights playing against the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg, Winnipeg all right. That's I, I think that could potentially be a good series. I, I do think the Vegas Golden Knights will take that. I though. think they're going to sweep it. Then we have the Colorado Avalanche who won last the Stanley year. Cup last year. Yep, against the Kraken, who this is their, I believe, their second year in the NHL. So really cool to see their name inserted into the playoffs. You know, yeah. they, I mean, for them to only be in their second year and be in the playoffs and get 100 points this past season. It's pretty, pretty good in big stride um, towards possibly getting a Stanley Cup. We don't know. At the end of the day, Nate, that's what's so great about NHL. Like, you could be the best team like the Boston Bruins. Yep. But oh, it you could fall me. and not win the Stanley Cup. So, yeah. next we have the Edmonton Oilers facing off against the Los Angeles Kings. That's going to be a really good series. We're going to get to see Connor McDavid going up against the Los Angeles Kings. That's going to be a really good series to watch. And the last one, I'll least. Dallas Stars against Minnesota Wild. Now, I want to stop on this one, Nate. Okay. If we remember how the Minnesota Wild was last year, they just weren't good. No, not at all. This year, they've completely had a 180. And, you know, I think that the Minnesota Wild could really take care of these this Dallas Stars team. And Minnesota Wild have kind of had a wild season this year, per se. And... 102 points. That's, yeah. That's really an increase from last season. I mean, I'm pretty sure last season they finished second to last with the Blackhawks under them. It's kind of crazy to see a team just absolutely just switch positions now. Like, they're they're predominantly set for a playoff position and make a run. Yeah, definitely. And, Nate, the last order of business I want to go over for NHL, the Bruins have been on a historic run all season. Yeah. They have broken the NHL record for most wins in a season with 63. Now 64. Yep. So they could get it all the way up to 65, and they've gotten 133 points, which is just mind-boggling to me. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And the other teams that got close was the 95-96 to Detroit Red Wings with 62 wins. So 2018-2019 to Tampa Bay Lightning, which was a very good team with 62. They, won, they went on to win the Stanley Cup, I believe, that yep. season. The, so if, if there's a positive note, for your for your Boston Bruins to win the Stanley Cup, that's it right there. They got the statistic with them. 1976 and 1977, the Canadians, 60 wins. Yep. And then 1977 and 19, 1978, Montreal Canadiens, same team with 59 wins. But, Nate, I think, you know, regardless of if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, of course you want that to be the icing on the cake and the or the cherry on top of your shake with the whipped cream. Like, right now, the whipped cream and the icing of the cake – is that the Bruins have won the NHL record for most wins in a season. But the Bruins as a team want to go further than that, and they want to win a cup because it's been yeah. a long time since you guys have won a Stanley like, Cup. Like Jim said, it doesn't matter. if This whole entire season won't matter if we don't win a Stanley Cup. I mean, ultimately, that's what all the players are looking for. And one thing that um, Bergeron brought up 
if nobody brought up these stats, these numbers, nobody else would care. Nobody would know. Yeah. And that's the thing that people only remember yeah. is the Stanley Cup. So. Yeah. For sure. Well, folks, we're going to be monitoring the NFL playoff games. Of course, there's not going to be an. I mean, there probably will be NHL. I said NFL again. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We love I've NFL. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, we will be monitoring the NHL playoff games. You know, for the next couple of weeks, because playoffs go for an eternity. July. So we will be predicting next Thursday. You know, if if there's already a game that's been played, that's fine. We'll still predict who we think is going to win because at the end of the day, Nate. Do they do they do seven game series right? Yeah. I okay. So, so yeah, yep. there there's a seven game series. It can go either way. Just because somebody wins one game doesn't mean anything. Nope. So we're gonna predict all of that in a bag of chips next week. So make sure you guys tune into that, folks. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into everything the NFL draft. We're gonna kind of give our prediction predictions for the first ten picks of the NFL draft, and then we're gonna talk to you guys about some teams that have forfeited their first round pick and kind of that situation. And then an unexpected accident happened to a uh, NFL prospect heading into the draft that's supposed to be, get taken into in the mid rounds. So we'll have all that and a lot more when we come back. You're listening to the press box right here on 90.9. The light. Well, folks, I can tell you something else that's going to be electric. The NFL draft. I mean, last year, the NFL draft was electric. I know I had a lot of fun running in here with post-it notes about A.J. Brown going to the Eagles and all this sort of thing. So I expect that to happen again. I expect it to be another really, really fun um, show. It's going to be our second annual show we've ever done. But folks, why don't we kind of give you a little teaser of what that's going to look like here on the press box right here. Thank you so much for taking a seat inside the press box here with us this morning. The NFL has announced in August that the Miami Dolphins are going to forfeit their 2023 first round pick and 2024 third round pick following an investigation into whether the team violated league policies pertaining to the integrity of the game. And then we found out March 9th that the Houston Texans are forfeiting their 2023 fifth round pick due to a salary cap reporting violation from the 2020 league year. So the NFL will do anything and everything to find out what you're doing oh, if yeah. you're doing something wrong. Oh, God, yeah. So, Roger, Roger Goodell's good about that. But <laughs> So, you know, with all that being said, like, yes, this is going to, you know, not really benefit the Dolphins at all because they would have had a first-round pick this year, but they had to surrender that. Now there's 31 picks in the first round instead of 32. Yeah. But, TJ, really, really quick, can you explain to us what happened to Michael Jefferson, a wide receiver out of Louisiana yeah. who was caught in a head collision on yeah. Sunday night. Just really, really brief. Yeah. Correct. He was caught in a head-on collision in Alabama, and he's going to have to have multiple surgeries. They're not being specific on what happened, but he's not going to be able to play football this year. And yeah. he was projected to be a day three, day two pick. Yeah, and, and this is a guy that had 154 catches for 2,407 yards, 29 touchdowns in his college career, playing three seasons at Alabama State and two seasons for Louisiana. Raging Cajuns. But guys, we've gotten to the part of the show that I'm kind of the most excited for. Folks, we're going to go through the first 10 picks of the first round of the NFL draft, and we're going to kind of just give our predictions for what right. we think. TJ, I'm going to go to you first, then I'm going to go to you, Nate, and then I'm going to go to myself. You have to be really, really quick. TJ, who do you got with the first pick for the CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Nate. Bryce Young. I got CJ Stroud. TJ, Houston Texans, who you got? Uh, I've got Bryce Young. Nate. CJ. And I've got Bryce. 
DJ, third pick, Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. I mean Cardinals. <laughs> <And> Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Wilson. I got Will Anderson, too. Uh, TJ, Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson. Will Levi's. I really like him. I got Anthony Richardson, too. I mean, me and you are just agreeing with these right. first couple picks. TJ, Seattle Seahawks. It's from the Denver Broncos. Who do you got at number five? Tyree Wilson. Will Anderson, Jr. I've got Tyree Wilson. TJ, the Detroit Lions from the a from the L.A. Rams, who do you have at this pick? Christian Gonzalez. Jalen Carter. Joey Porter Jr. Oh, Joey. Not, not Joey Palermo, Joey Porter, all right? All right, seventh pick. We have the Las Vegas Raiders. Who you got, TJ? Devin Witherspoon. Paris Johnson Jr. I have Devin Witherspoon, too. I just see more upside in Joey Porter Jr., and that's why I think the, the Detroit Lions, with losing a guy like Jeff Okuda, they're going to go that route. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got, TJ? Uh, this is where Paris Johnson goes for me. Devin Witherspoon. And I have Paris Johnson as well. TJ, Chicago Bears getting the ninth pick from Carolina. Who do you got? Jalen Carter. Peter Sorensky. I also have Jalen Carter, but I think he could fall out of the top ten. All right, guys. Last pick, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, who do you guys have them getting in the first round? Joey Porter Jr. Lucas Van Ness. And I have them getting Christian Gonzalez because that's the best corner that I have left, and that's available. Well, folks, that's going to conclude our show here from the press box right here on 90.9 The Light. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a couple things and a couple little uh, orders of business coming up this weekend. Liberty Flames baseball team coming off a huge win against Virginia Tech, 7-3 on the road in Blacksburg on Tuesday. They are playing at Kennesaw State right in my neck of the woods in Kennesaw, Georgia, for their, for their next uh, three-game series on April 14th, Friday at 6 o'clock, April 15th at 4 o'clock, and then Sunday at 1 o'clock. You can tune into that on the LFSN.com. Um, Nick Pierce will have the call there. And then in terms of Liberty Softball, Liberty Softball is going to be playing at home. They're going to be playing against Stetson. So, folks, make sure you guys go out to that game and get there and get seats while you can. They play Saturday at 1, Saturday at 3, and Sunday at 10. It's Western weekend this weekend, so make sure you guys show up and show out. But folks, for myself, Riley Klingman, Nathan McKinney, and TJ Wilkerson, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Press Box right here on 90.9 The Light. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and God bless.